Welcome to the Pit Stop Podcast, your fast-paced podcast for Formula One news and analysis. Throughout the Formula One season, we will be recapping every race as well as breaking down the biggest stories on and off the track, all before setting you up for the next race on the Formula One schedule. Whether you're a seasoned Formula One fan or you have just discovered the rush of racing, this podcast has something for you. Okay, here we go. All right, welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast, presented by the Ordinary Podcasting Network. I am Braden Dallar-Coltman. I am joined here with Jordan Dallar-Coltman and Tyler Walzak. Gentlemen, we have finally reached uh, the beginning of our Formula One season. We have had our first race in Bahrain, which was very exciting. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things to talk about, uh, namely the, the new look cars, the slipping and sliding of vehicles, uh, very hot vehicles and uh, some poetic justice in Red Bull not finishing the race. Tyler, I am going to start with you because I know you have so much you want to get to. I do. I have a lot to get to. Poetic justice is an understatement for what happened to Red Bull. I believe at the finish of last season, I brought up their new power engine is going to be an issue in these first couple of races. And it turned out being an issue, a huge issue. And uh, I looked further into it. it. This is a mistake brought on by their own fault. They're the only team that yeah. didn't do a full race um, simulation during testing. So if they had just done full laps for those 57 laps, this problem would have been solved for them. They uh, essentially, it was just the, the new fuel that's being used burns high, burns at a higher temperature and was starting condensation within the engine and, and took out the fuel pump. Okay. But if they had tested for a full race, the only team did not test for a full race, they would have figured that out in practice because it's something that they can fix that probably won't happen again to them. So they just figured they were the world champions. They know how to do this. And here we go. We're just going to go with what we know. Exactly. They didn't need to study for that test. So it seems like these, so, okay. So does that also mean that the higher burn rate on that fuel was the reason that guys like Hulkenberg was asked not to pit because his car was too hot. Has that ever happened before? That was a weird one. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know what was going on there, but I mean, it could be, it feels like the other teams had that issue figured out. Um, Gasly's issue was something different, but also under that new Red Bull engine. Um, but that's kind of what I was reading, reading into in simpler terms with what happened with Red Bull, uh, which to me was laughable. Like you just, you couldn't be bothered to do a full simulation race. <laughs> it does seem odd, especially considering, as you mentioned, they're running these new power units. I mean, they're still Honda engines, but with the, with the new powertrain behind them, the Red Bull sort of first generation of Red Bull's own power unit. But yeah, it, and only, only Yuki Sonoda you know, getting his to go the full race distance. And it certainly raises a lot of eyebrows and question marks. Um, but yeah, it, the heat definitely factor just to that Hulkenberg thing. You're right. It was very funny. And obviously Crofty mentioned it during the broadcast that he'd never heard of that too. But I think what they were worried about was that if he was coming in at that temperature, his brakes might just catch fire midway through the, the, the pit change. And then they wouldn't be able to cool them down fast enough so i mean that's what you get racing in the desert uh and obviously that's the other factor with all these cars that'll be fascinating to see is you know we are in the first um 
the first leg of of a whole long, very long, longest ever season where we've got brand new cars, brand new, you know, regulations, and we've seen a little bit of what they're capable of, but we're going to see them in different conditions, different climates, different altitudes, and all those things have never been have never been tested. You can simulate all you want, and even had Red Bull run a full simulation, this problem still could have persisted. We don't know uh, because it's the first time they'd ever been in race conditions with other cars around them. So it's a lot of fun to to really be figuring it out on the fly, unless of course you're Red Bull, not fun at all. No, but you got to think that the the only team did not do a full simulation, yeah, and they're the ones that had a, a problem with it. It's is telling, and also it was very lazy. And sorry, I misspoke. It's not condensation; it's evaporation within the engine from the right. fuel. Uh, for sure, lazy. You know, even Verstappen in the race is going, "I don't know what's going on," and the engineer is going, "I don't know what's going on." You know, you you don't want to have that happen to you, uh, especially with what three laps, four laps to go. Yeah, yeah, it was my jaw was on the floor. It reminded me of like Top Gun when they're talking. He's like, he was going this way. I was going that way. So where'd he go? It's like, where'd who go? And it just, <laughs> it was wild. I couldn't believe what I was watching. And then happening to Perez, I was like, this is unbelievable. Exact same thing happening to unbelievable. Perez. That's right. That's right. So we saw gas. I mean, you just touched on it briefly. Gasly's, if you want to know how fast and hot these cars are running, Gasly's car takes stops and then just basically lights up on fire and then the complete kind of opposite thing happening with Hamilton we're seeing now him on ice with these tires Tyler you mentioned them last week you're not a big fan of these 18 inch tires Jordan how how did this play into Hamilton's you know are these drivers used obviously they're not used to a new kind of vehicle but how prepared are they for all of these changes coming at them well, there's definitely some real world uh, learning on the fly. You know, I think um, I listened to a great conversation with Carlos Sainz uh, a week ago after the, the second round of testing. And he was talking about how, it, you know, he struggled last year a little bit in the Ferrari just because he was learning a whole new car moving over from McLaren. And he's like, this is my second year with Ferrari and I'm learning a whole new car again. It's a completely different, they, they you know, they just feel different. And these are all the elite of the elite drivers they know how to drive these they know how to drive cars uh and they will figure it out but it, you know these cars are are definitely functioning a little bit differently and 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 each team has their own unique challenges with whatever interpretation of the regulations they've they've done and how the cars are moving and it was interesting because i i really do think toto wolf said after the race that he felt like this was sort of a live test and i think that I, I, I don't think that that was just, you know, as Tyler says, coach speak. I think they sin sincerely were trying things out when they both put the, the hard tires on the Mercedes and then got rid of them a couple laps later. I think they genuinely were like, we don't know what this is going to do. Let's see if this is a good strategy. Mm -hmm. Clearly wasn't. And thank goodness for their race result that they quickly decided to go back to a more competitive tire in the mediums. But honestly, you know, they were the only team that tried it and they kind of answered the question for everybody else. You know, they, they, they thought, well, maybe we can throw the hards on and go long. Nope. Wasn't going to happen. They couldn't get the tires to the temperature they needed on the track. And, um, and yeah, we're going to, I think we will see more of this, uh, more experimentation in the next couple races, especially. And then as teams start to figure out what's working, you know, we did, we haven't even talked about the results. Obviously Ferrari's come out here on fire. They're, they, they're exactly what we thought they were coming out of testing. Um, and, and yet, there will come a point at some point in this season where something um, doesn't work for Ferrari, you know, and it could be next week. It could be in three weeks. It could be in, in the middle of August, who knows, but at some point, you know, these new cars will challenge them in a different way and we'll figure out what that is when we get there. But, um, but yeah, it, it's a live test. Some fantastic overtaking that we haven't seen happening. I think as frequently before, which is really great to see the DRS kind of kicking in the way that, uh, that we want it to, to, to push 
I mean, we saw was Leclerc and, and Verstappen take maybe three laps back and forth, back and forth. Um, I want to, I want to kick in a little bit on, you know, last, last week we talked about uh, some of the rules and the things in the sport for, for those who are kind of new to it. For me, I'm still trying to figure out and maybe Tyler and Jordan, you can touch on this. What is the real difference between a soft tire, a medium tire and a hard tire? And then there's intermediate tires. I'm not a, a you know, Pirelli rubber expert, but I can tell you that basically the compounds are built with, you know, the, the, they are as, as they sound soft, medium, hard compounds, um, the actual physical soft and, uh, or softness of the tire. Um, and they provide different types of, uh, traction for the vehicle. So, and, and degradation and deg is the really big key piece of all of this, right? So the minute a tire is on, uh, it's moving at such a high rate of speed. We're talking about 300 kilometer an hour cars. Um, that the tire heats up basically almost to like a molten state on the very first layer of rubber. Um, and as you burn through that first layer, you're getting to the deeper part of the tire and that's where the real traction um, comes from. So that's why you always hear on outlaps after a, a pit stop, you know, new tires go on, they got to get the tire up to temperature, which means it's got to get up to the, the optimal racing condition. And then once it's in that state, you know, it only has so much uh, time before you have literally just chewed through the, the the functional rubber on the tire and the tire no longer has traction and that the, the length of time for that degradation changes on the soft medium and hard the softer the tire the faster you get it up to temperature the faster the actual tire is racing that's why you want you know the, the you we often will see that be the qualifying tire um the tire teams like to start on because it gives them a good start to the race and oftentimes you'll see a team go to it at the end of the race for a little extra kick um, if you're going to go into a race where you may not want as many pit stops strategically, you would go to uh, the hard tire, which could last sometimes twice, three times as long as the soft tire uh, in terms of its degradation. And then the medium tire being what it sounds like, it's somewhere in the middle. And every different track and every different condition utilizes those tires differently. Uh, the intermediate is a weather tire. Obviously, it's the first step when it gets wet. Uh, if you've just got a little bit of water on the track or a little bit of rain, the, the intermediate has it's the first tire you if you were to look at them it's the first tire with grooves in it or or um, mm -hmm. uh you know any kind of uh traction built into the actual tire the others are called slicks because they're they're literally just a, a slick tire uh and then you also have the wet tires which are the blue mark tires and those are much more um much like your, your the tires you would have on your car right now that actually have a tread um to create traction so that's basically the cole's notes version of of the tire structure, uh, it gets a little more complicated than that scientifically. There's also a super soft tire, which would be one, one softer than the soft. Super and there's, soft. there's gradients, uh, in it within this, you know, depending on where we are in, in, in the world, different tires in the line, I think there's actually up to like nine different exact grades of tire. Um, but they get classified per, per race. So one race, what you consider a soft tire on a different track might actually be the medium tire. And the, the interesting with, thing with the tires with this race specifically and them being new tires for the season was all three of them were having issues and different issues. Right. Um, the degradation on all of them wasn't great, but they're tough getting them up to temperature. There's tough uh, with handling on all of them. So it was caught. I think Ferrari did. It was a three stop race, which yeah. begs the question, is that better for the sport? Mm -hmm. Because it does lead to more uh, racing in the long run. 
Yep, absolutely. It definitely changed the strategy overall. We knew it was going to be a two or three stop race right from the beginning, but it very quickly became clear that the tires were not going to do what Pirelli expected them to do. And, and as we said, that's why it was a live test in many ways. And all of them, all of them, the drivers were being told on your first few outlaps, do not run full out on this car because we don't know what this tire is going to do it has to warm up before you can take usage of it yeah. and that was kind of a, a downfall for leclerc there i think lap 32 um verstappen had been on three his third or fourth outlap after putting new tires on so he was able to run full and uh leclerc came in just came out of the pit just ahead of verstappen and was told like yeah, verstappen's right behind you but also you have to be careful about this tire so this undertake factor is going to be huge in the next three or four races because if guys are being told to take it slow on their first laps coming in earlier is an advantage because then you are at full speed when, when the, the guy in front of you has to, to come in to switch tires. Slow down. So speaking of strategy here, McLaren was the only team to start on mediums and everyone else on the grid started on soft. I am uh, already a little bit nervous about my big, bold prediction and the 75% uh, McLaren podium finishes that said I will maintain my uh, my fandom for these two uh, McLaren drivers but they did not have a great race and did that did that start with the mediums have anything to do with why Norris and Ricardo finished at the bottom of the pack I think their brake system is more so what the cause of them uh, finishing the back of the pack is and so tell me about that uh, I think they're just running hot for when you boil it down to, I haven't looked too much into it. So I don't want to just kind of guess and, and speculate, but from what I've seen in testing with them is they're, they're having brake issues with heat, much like uh, the problem with, uh, I forget the name of the guy you already talked about who said not to come in to pit, but uh, Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Um, so their brake issues were causing problems for them the entire time. I don't know if the, the tire choice helped them at all. It definitely, it definitely hurt them. Um, but I'm the bigger problem is that Lando Norris already said, this is going to be a very long season for us. Yeah. They, their car is just not where they want it to be right now. And obviously we've heard that from a few teams, but there are definitely, um, levels of, uh, of those teams where, you know, where the benchmark is. So Mercedes made it pretty clear. They didn't feel like they were going to be competing for wins off the top when you compared them straight up pace wise to Mercedes and Ferrari, pardon me, to, to Red Bull and Ferrari, Ferrari, especially. And that, I mean, that came very much true. It's not like it was all coach speak. Now their bar, however, as to what their expectation is, is third. It's not the mm-hmm. bottom of the table, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we joked on Hattrick yesterday, you know, Tyler made the joke, well, what will Mercedes use to complain or, you know, to, 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 to complain about this one. And Tyler, I think rightfully said, this is a win for them. This is Absolutely. way better result than they expected. You have to remember qualifying wise, Hamilton qualified fifth um, and Russell qualified ninth. I mean, that is Mercedes wise. That is unacceptable. Any other season, this is where they are right now in terms of pace. They, However, we're able to demonstrate they have a little bit better durability. They got their car to the end and that's all they needed today. So that's something to build on and move forward. You know, this is the biggest gap points wise Lewis Hamilton had has had over Max Verstappen in over a year. You know, at no point last year did Lewis Hamilton lead Max Verstappen in the in the championship by this many points. It's because he didn't get any points at all. And for Red Bull, absolute disaster. But I do think that. McLaren, I do think McLaren is re- really not in a good place. And 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 yeah. I know you're about to ask me another question, but just really quickly, like if I had told you 
last year at any point that you were going to see a race where the three teams at the bottom, I mean, Williams, you kind of expect to be down there, but we're talking about Aston Martin and McLaren. Those are teams who were competing for third, fourth, and fifth last year. Like those are, these are perennial mid table teams who should be competing for some of those bigger opportunities, you know, and they are clearly behind the eight ball. They're all in Mercedes engines too, I believe. That's also true. And clearly the Mercedes engines were all in Mercedes engines. That's right. Yeah. 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 So it was like Lewis Hamilton was expected in the race. They're going, okay, you finished sixth. This is a win for us. That's a win. But for him to finish third is huge. Like, like you could almost argue driver of the day, huge. Now we actually have to see with this engine for the first four or five races, how good of a driver how, is him yeah, how sustainable yeah. it is totally. in this new car yeah, he's giving george russell before. credit too because he's fourth like he stayed right there yeah. too so they you know yeah. he drove at least as well as lewis did uh, as far as getting the car up through that he had he, he he even had more cars to get through and he was able to put it there with with you know pretty good pace so yeah and I, yeah go, go ahead no i was just saying that the other losers like like mclaren they probably had the worst day of all but i if latifi doesn't start racing better and finishing higher than his his um teammate he this will be his last season in f1 yeah i think that's true i think that he's definitely on the hot seat and there are um there's definitely some young drivers there who are gonna be for sure be, be uh be much more enticing for them i keep wanting to know why verstappen uh uh pitted and and got out of the race like there's three laps left obviously he, oh his car was undrivable car was completely so undrivable. in in that he needed to just retire it because yeah, it was no longer unsafe? safe to drive okay. yeah it was unsafe he had no power steering it's like and he had no power yeah. steering for multiple laps so think about he what managed that means, those right? laps like if you've ever you run out of fuel points, though this is my thing yeah if you've ever run well, out of fuel in your own car and just even had to pull over to the side of the road and the, the physical tough, effort sure. of having to turn a steering wheel in a modern car now now imagine doing that at 300 kilometers an hour around a track where you would literally within inches of other vehicles moving at that speed, the danger factor was already high. He managed two laps in that condition and then realized very quickly that his engine was failing. And the, the engine literally, I mean, look at what happened to Gasly. Imagine exactly that happening it. at full speed. They needed, and, and there are rules, there are very strict rules about a, a, a vehicle's okay. driving condition. They have to follow. They cannot keep an unsafe vehicle in the race. In the so race I think it, it, it was okay. a salvage. And also we're under it's, a, sal- like we're under a salary cap. These cars, like that cost, the, the cost alone of, of what ended up happening to that car catching fire for Alpha Tori, don't underestimate what that will look like in six weeks uh, or six races from now when they're having to prematurely change out like take a grid penalty to change out a full power unit because they can't get all of the replacement parts that they're going to need under the, the cap. Um, that's a real factor here. And, and all these teams, you know, for the first time, I think ever are really going to have to be cognizant about the, the actual condition of their cars uh, throughout the year. And, and, you know, it, it, it seems silly when you think about how much money we're talking about, but you know, they have to replace everything and that goes on the budget and sure they're budgeted for it, but, race one you're already having this kind of stuff that's not a good place to start your year in right and there's two examples for why verstappen had to go in because you're you're like yeah a lot of people go why would he go in why would he go in there's so close to the end but gasly in the same engine he's on fire literally on fire to you go to safety if perez stayed out there and he was almost he was on the last lap of the race he stayed out there he spun and almost took out hamilton and russell um, so that that's the, the there's two examples in that race as to why Verstappen was like I I gotta get this car and, and there are conflicting reports there are conflicting reports apparently Perez had already been instructed that uh, at the end of that lap he was to pit anyway like he he wasn't actually 
to compete for the rest of the lap. He was supposed to let cars start to pass him, um, but they were just trying to limp home. Um, and obviously he was, yeah, he wasn't able to do that. The car didn't, the car didn't even get there for him. And it, it, yeah, definitely dramatic. And if you are like, we are, I think all on the same page, as we said, you know, karma, karma comes back and gets you sometimes. And as Red Bull, you know, it, all I'll, I'll just say it this way. All Mercedes did after this race to, to address this was one simple tweet. And it summed it up for me, which is you love to see it. Well, can we talk because we haven't talked and I don't think anyone's talking about it really, but FIA came out and admitted yeah. it was a wrong decision last yeah. year in that last race. It was admitted before this weekend or the yeah. same day, some yeah. point on this weekend, they came out and said it yeah, was the formal was a, report was came a, out. Yeah. Like that's crazy to me that it wasn't completely talked about. And then the announcers in the race, just openly joking about lap cars and ev yep. everybody knows it was yep. a mistake. I, <laughs> I hate oh yeah. yeah. Well, and admitting that, that basically it's human sure. error, but the result can't be changed is what no. the exact wording was. And, and you know what though, you guys, um, perhaps there's differing opinions here on this In watching the drive to survive. I know Tyler, you, you were just blood boiling on that last episode, but it didn't feel like uh it didn't feel like this was at all red bull's fault either well like, that's the thing it, it really wasn't i mean the truth is red bull didn't do anything wrong they were other just than, racing other than other than not maybe be the gentleman about it at the end but sure, I, you sure. can't really expect yeah. anyone to do that the truth is they, they it's not like red bull cheated yeah but red bull won under Ill illegitimate Illegal, circumstances yeah, yeah, yeah. circumstances and yeah. then you know, reacted as if they had won fairly. And I think that that's what really rubbed people the wrong way. Plus, let's be honest, like Red Bull doesn't come into this squeaky clean. They already have a reputation of being pretty bad sports. And throughout the season last year, you know, the, the animosity was pretty high. And I think had Lewis won under the conditions he was set to win under it would have been a lot easier for it to have been sort of like a gentlemanly handshake at the end saying, look, this was fair and square. He won it this way. Under the circumstances, I think a lot of people felt like it rubbed them the wrong way. And of course, they're never going to admit that they didn't win no. it fairly. I don't think we, any of us would expect them to do that, but it definitely doesn't endear them to anyone, right? Yeah. How on earth are we not talked about Ferrari yet? Well, we talked about Ferrari or even like Haas, Ferrari. We're going to talk about Magnuson like and Magnuson. Magnuson, Haas finished fifth. Wait, go ahead, Jordan. Let's kick it yeah, off. Yeah, let's go. Ferrari. Let's start with Ferrari. Because one, yeah, Prancing winners. ponies are back. I mean, the, the, one, the, like, you know, the old adage, you ask a, 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 a five-year-old to draw you a race car, what color is it going to be? It's going to be red. I they love that awesome. red. It's an off-red, though. It's it's, it's like matte red. Yeah, it's a blood matte red. I love it. Look, they were they were the favorites coming out of Barcelona. They were the favorites coming out of testing in Bahrain last week. They were the favorites coming out of qualifying and they did not disappoint. Charles Leclerc drove a flawless race. Uh, you know, yes, he had some very good head-to-head uh, -head contests with uh, Verstappen. That's what we want to see. We want to see these cars compete in like a, almost a dogfight style close combat where they're able to get right up on top of each other can you imagine if lewis and and and, and max had been in these cars last year the way they were they were literally wheel to wheel most of the year i mean if we're gonna if this is what we should expect uh in the middle of the the field and at the front of the, the pack this is going to be awesome this is going to be a great great type of racing but Leclerc drove a great race you know Carlos Sainz struggled throughout the weekend he admitted that he had some struggles with this car um I think he's a, he's more of like an oversteer kind of guy he's not an understeer guy and I think the Ferrari is tailored to be a bit more of an understeery car um so he's he's not quite as comfortable I think as Charles is but 
like, come on, like if you want, you want formula one to be, you, this is what you want formula one to be. It shouldn't be a two team fight. It should be three, four teams fighting at the top. We've got three right now. If Mercedes can get themselves to continue to, to make progress and what an awesome season it's, it, it's set up to be, but my God, they looked good. F1 is better when Ferrari is at the top of it. For and, sure. Just as and baseball's better when the Yankees are there. Exactly. Yeah. And it was, it was uh, <laughs> like when Leclerc and signs went to Ferrari, like, so for me watching the sport for the last three or four years, it was, it was Gasly, Leclerc and signs. And when Leclerc and signs both went to Ferrari, I was like, this is amazing. Unfortunately, I don't look good in red, so I don't wear any Ferrari stuff, <laughs> but that the, I was, I've been waiting forever for these guys to like, just put it together and, and then Ferrari to put a car together and to have them go one, two is so much. It was so much fun to watch. And Leclerc is amazing. Signs is not happy about finishing second, which is even better for the sport because mm-hmm. it might not, this might just be a Leclerc signs race for the um, driver at the end of this championship. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. And I remember Carlos Sainz has not won a race yet as a driver. He's been close several times. I think this is his fourth or fifth podium. So he's been right there. You know, he lost a, a difficult race last year uh, or maybe it was the year before, I believe to, was it Ocon last year? Anyway, he was, he was a runner up in another one of those races where like the guys in the midfield, all of a sudden had an opportunity because of conditions and he just couldn't get it done. I think if he had probably one or two more laps, he's been in that situation a lot. He's going to get really tired of looking at the back of Charles Leclerc's Ferrari. And that's going to be fun at some point this season. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about the wingmen last year for these two championship contenders in Hamilton and, and, and in Verstappen and how great Perez was. And at times how good Bottas was. And, and the truth is the sport is better when you don't just have one driver for a team competing, but you actually have both. Right. And that, yeah. and that will be more fun. We see it more often in the midfield because the teams aren't, they're fighting for constructors points. So both drivers are competing, but like, we need that. We want these two drivers to go head to head against each other, as well as the competition. It will be more fun when Red Bull's finishing races and they're fighting two guys from Ferrari and two guys from Mercedes and, and, and vice versa. And Russell, I think has the potential to do the same thing for Mercedes. You know, I think he, he's a competitive enough guy that if he can put his car in the right place, now he's still figuring that car out, obviously, but if he can push Hamilton and makes Hamilton better, if he can, you know, get in there and, and muck it up with the other guys that makes this better. And I think Perez needs to do the same thing for Red Bull. I think the gloves need to come off at the beginning here and say, whichever driver gets ahead, fine. Halfway through the season, when it starts getting tight with other teams, that's when you start turning it into kind of a one, one, a, but right now. I don't think Prez, I don't think Prez is that guy though. I think he knows that this is his second chance. This is his home now for the rest of his career, just based on him almost not having a seat over the last two years and just pulling it off to go to Red Bull. But it just makes me so frustrated that imagine if it was Leclerc signs in the Ferrari, Hamilton, Russell in the Mercedes, and then in the Red Bull, you got Verstappen and Gasly. Like, yeah. Oh man, those three with those six drivers. That'd be wild. Yeah. Well, any other final winners from this? Because for me, I mean, I think this is the first time we've seen Alfa Romeo hit the points on both of their drivers. Yeah, Alfa Romeo had a great race race for uh, for Zhao. Yeah, Zhao. Yeah, what a what an amazing race for him. And Botas to be top six after getting booted from Mercedes is such a great story. And and man, Haas Haas is back. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, in 2019, Haas was competing for third place in the constructors. People don't remember this. Like, that, like yeah. if you go back and watch the first season of Drive to Survive, they were competing. They were a competitive, competitive team, and they have had some very miserable years since then. But to yeah. get Kevin Magnuson back in the fashion they have, the return of K-Mag, and to have him qualify the way he did, I'll qualify a Mercedes, just dominating uh, that qualifying session in a way we have not seen a Haas. And then, let's be honest, like Mick Schumacher – had a miserable year last year in his rookie year. Like yeah. he, he was put in a position to fail with the car he had there. And, and, you know, um, it's interesting. We talk sometimes in like other sports when you get like a high draft pick and all of a sudden you're on the bottom team and how it can be really miserable for some of those guys. The truth is these guys, all of these guys to get to formula one, all they've ever done is win. And so yeah. when all of a sudden they're not winning and there's not even a chance of them winning that, that takes a huge emotional, I think, toll on them and it takes only the mentally strong of those guys to get through that and be able to then compete and for mick schumacher to finish 11th just out of the points stings i'm sure haas that would have been the only thing that would have made this better for haas had they doubled up on points but for him to be right there and get a sniff of it you watch next race i i I, that would be my bold take i think you're going to see two haas in the points next week because i think that they now have this whole new energy and confidence in their vehicle and in their team and in each other as drivers and it's going to be awesome if they can keep this up they'll be on a podium this year and if you got to think like wow there's a statement i like they'll be on a podium haas will be on a podium this year and if you go with gunther steiner i think has been humbled he comes off across as a very stern kind of asshole like guy in those beginning seasons of drive to survive he's been humbled a bit and if you think about what he did over the last year he kind of pulled the rabbit out of a hat. Like, oh, yeah. we need money. We need money. Let's go get all the money that this Russian guy has. But, oh, crap, we got to have his driver's son with us. That's not good. We're going to lose Magnuson to just then have the public behind him to get rid of Mazepin, still get all the money because it's already in the car, and then bring back his own guy and have yeah. his own guy finish fifth yep. in the first race. 100%. Unbelievable. 100%. And they knew they knew that this was going to be the year that they yes. that they were putting the money into the car, right? That's they right. knew last year they were just going to totally. hold out. And, and but again, I mean, we're talking about, like, looking at this table, it looks like a joke. I mean, it's two Ferraris who, for again, for the last few years, not competitive. Not at all. I mean, not at all, right? Uh, two Mercedes in third and fourth, which, you know, you expect them to be up there, but third and fourth. Wait, what a minute. That's not right. And then you've got a Haas, an Alfa Romeo, an Alpine, and an Alfa Tori. Before Alpine, an, another literally, literally from five down, it's four different yeah. teams, yeah. and all of them are teams that you did not expect to be in the top ten last year at all. It's awesome, and it's a testament to the new cars. It's a testament to the way in which they you know, uh, allowed the, the teams that were struggling last year to get ahead of the game in terms of development. We've clearly put the energy and resources into this, and it's I, I can't say this is what we should expect the rest of the season. I don't know, because again, you know, there's so much development that's going to happen here in the next six or seven races as teams really figure these cars out. And there seems to be so many upgrades already coming for these guys. Mercedes, it sounds like going into Australia, which is two races from now, they're overhauling their entire aero package again. Like they have a whole new plan of what they're going to do. And they're figuring all of that out. You know, we still saw struggles with porpoising from the Mercedes, Mercedes, from the McLarens, from, from the Alpines. Uh, and even the Alpha Tori, although I, th- I think they were a little bit closer to figuring it out, that's all about weight distribution. That stuff they're going to tweak and work on. They can do a lot of that in the simulator to get the weight right. The level of progression through the season and the unpredictability of it, I think, is what these new cars were designed to do. And I think they're going to do that. And that's awesome. 
Right on. Uh, Tyler, any final thoughts on Bahrain as we move into the final weekend? If, the next weekend here? If Bahrain is any sign of what's to come this season, we are in for a treat. The Ordinary Podcasting Network is excited to announce that we have launched a merch store on our website. The store is full of ordinary swag, including t-shirts, hoodies, and hats. You can pick out something awesome and support your favorite podcast today by heading over to OrdinaryPodcasts.com. Okay, we've got uh, another exciting race coming up this weekend, Sunday, March 27th at the, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Jetta Corniche, Corniche, Corniche Circuit. <laughs> I'm sure I hit one of them. <laughs> Uh, in you got Saudi circuit Arabia. right. Yeah, we've got. Uh, yeah, I've got circuit right. Um, guys, what do we need to know about this race coming up this weekend? It is the second fastest track on the the, uh, the circuit this year. Um, Monza being the fastest. They've made some changes since last year, just out of safety wise. Uh, there's a lot of corners that were pretty dangerous that the drivers were complaining about. So they've switched some of them by moving the barriers back just to allow access of sight lines. Um, but yeah, it is, this is the second fastest track. Uh, so we will see probably Ferrari come out hot again, because they, they how can you go against them right, th- right now at this point, but, uh, will it all be about how these tires, it's another night race, I believe. So we'll see what these tires do. It's a, it's a new compound. Um, then one of the new compounds are different from the Bahrain race. So you, and I think you got to think that this week might be the busiest week in terms of trying not to do too much, but also needing to do something. So Ferrari can't just sit back and go, we got a perfect car. Everything's going to be great. They got tires just right. to figure out. They've got things they got to figure out. Everybody has to figure out their pit stop times because those were very slow last weekend. Um, probably because the new tires are a lot heavier. Um, <laughs> Massive. These guys are, I think they're like 50 pounds or something like that. It's insane. And it looks like those new wing tips over top, like those kind of help. It looks like they almost help the tire push into position but maybe that has nothing to do with that even the guys in the pits were just like we got to figure out this tire situation in this new car like when they come into the pits because everything was slow so the i think what they want to do for this week is one like those guys are going to be practicing these new pits even more so but the the setups of the cars are going to change but you don't want to do too much because you don't know yet you've only had one race and yes, everyone's like, how do we get better? 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 But also you don't want to go past that threshold where it's okay. We've changed too much. Now Ferrari's taking a little bit step back while Hamilton's coming, coming up on us. I just want to touch one more time on these tires. Cause it, clearly there's a lot to be dug into on them, but I do think it, it will be interesting because Bahrain is a really tough track on tires. Just historically, it has been. Um, okay. And there's been a lot of complaints from the drivers going back even a couple of years ago about the condition of the Bahrain track. It's a bumpy track. It's it's an older track. It hasn't had new asphalt laid for, I think, something like eight or nine years. So it's an older track. And I think that contributed to the dig on these tires, which are clearly fragile compared to the previous set of, of Pirellis. They haven't quite figured this compound out yet for the size of the tire. So, but, but Saudi Arabia is a much newer track, much like like softer track on tires. I'm not quite sure that's the right terminology, but it seems to be a lot easier, um, a a much easier um, track for the, for, for, for both like the rubber and also I think on braking. Um, So it'll be interesting to see in a better conditions, whether these tires perform a little bit better or not and and how much of that, but it, it's a, I think there's also, and Tyler sort of said this too, you don't want to do too much, but there's a lot of data to be gathered 
uh, as much as the data they already have will be sifted through and dealt with, this is a very important one. And, and honestly, we're not going to know what these cars real conditions are until we're back in Europe in some of the tighter tracks and some of the more like the, the desert tracks are great. They're fun. They're interesting, um, but they're open. There's not a lot of, you know, tight walls. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, you're not driving through the streets of Monaco. You're not even driving through like Monza where you end up with these tight, tight walls uh, on each side if you're trying to go two by two down a corner or something. So once we get to Europe, we'll really see how well these cars perform in those kind of situations. But I think, um, yeah, lots to, lots of, I, again, I said this last week, so many question marks, but I think that that's good. I think that makes this exciting. You can't go in expecting the same old results. And that, if you're a fan of, of just the racing part of this, you gotta, you gotta love that. You gotta love that you wake up Sunday morning not knowing what's gonna happen, right? It's also interesting because it's not like going into the second race of the season. It's not like this is a track that all these drivers are super familiar with. Last year was the first race on this track. So it's not like they have all, they have all the data from last week's race and all of the data from last year's race at uh, um, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. So it, it, it's kind of wild to think about that. You can't do too much because you don't really know that much yet. Any final thoughts here going into Saudi Arabia? I don't know. I, th- I kind of think we see Ferrari on top again. I hope that Red Bull puts it back together, not all the way back together, but uh, <laughs> able to make it a good race because Enough I don't, I don't to know. Be competitive, yeah. I don't know if Mercedes has the pace to compete with Ferrari yet, but I still want a good race, so I still like to see Red Bull up there. Yeah, I think uh, it's Ferraris to lose. They've demonstrated that. I think they have an opportunity to get a, uh, you know, to really get out to a, a big lead in in both championships, which is you know definitely what they're looking to do and. Wouldn't that be fun if, if they were the team everyone was chasing? I don't know. I, again, I, I went into last week, you know, expecting fireworks. It definitely did not disappoint. And for me, that's the most exciting part. I want to, I want to see what Red Bull bounces back with, but just like Tyler said, you know, I'm okay. If they don't finish every race, I would love to see Ferrari get like these finishes for the next four or five races and have this huge lead just to kind of have Mercedes, because Mercedes is going to put it together eventually just to have them put it together. And then we have a Ferrari versus Mercedes like straight down to the finish type of constructors race. Where we get a yellow flag because Latifi crashes and then only a few cars get to go ahead. Is that what you're hoping for? (laughs) No, never again. No, (laughs) never again. Never again. Never again. But uh, that said, we've got an exciting race coming up next Sunday, Saudi Arabia Grand Prix will hit off practice on Friday, qualifying as usual Saturday. Gentlemen, is this the same kind of qualifying that we yes. should be anticipating? Yes, we won't see the I'm going to ask for... every week. Here, I'll, uh, just so that we get this out of the way, because I don't want you asking me every week. We're going to have three sprints. <laughs> We're going to have, we have three sprints that have been planned. The first uh-huh. is in Imola. Okay. The second is at the Red Bull Ring. Uh, in Austria, and then the third is in Interlagos. Fantastic. You so can count on me to forget three. all of those things. So once <laughs> once we hit those races, I'm sure you will be reminding me. April 24th. Uh, April right. 24th will be our first. Fantastic. Guys, thanks so much again for this uh, this week's episode. Uh, you can find us on anywhere you get your podcast. Those listeners out there, thanks again for tuning in. And uh, we can't wait to be back with you again next Tuesday, racing through all of the thoughts and opinions from the Saudi Grand Prix. Pit Stop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening.